Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Jesus. My goal today is to, my job, my number one job today is to get you under the anointing. My, the purpose of why I'm here is not to put on a good performance for you and preach, and preach my opinion and what makes you feel good about yourself. My job is to push you and to get you under the anointing, to take your head and just hold you under. <laughs> and some of you, that might be exactly what we have to do today. You might go kicking and screaming, but we will get you under the influence of the Holy Spirit today, I promise. You're either going to love me or you're going to hate me. You're either going to get the joy or you're going to get really angry today. (laughs) Amen? You're either going to get happy in church, you're going to have a good time in church, you're going to love the presence of the Lord, or you're just going to get angry. Hopefully you get happy. Hopefully today you get happified and you stop being angry and mad at the world. (laughs) The the reality is the problem is not everybody else, it's you. (laughs) I know that comes as a shock to many, but but the problem is not everybody else, it's you, I promise. If you get under under the influence of the Holy Spirit, He'll begin to change you. He'll begin to change your attitude. He'll begin to change your your mind and your thoughts. Amen. Amen. Some of you need your thoughts cleaned out. You've been, you go through your week thinking negative about everything that you're going through, and you, you just perceive every, everybody's out to get you. Everybody's out to hurt you. Everybody, Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Allow God to come in and clean your brain out. You just need a good brainwashing, and allow the Holy Spirit to clean out some of the garbage that you've stored up there. Begin to think on the things of God. Begin to think on the things of the Scripture. Begin to think on things of the Word. The anointing will break the yoke in your life. We've been doing a series on the anointing, and I'm going to pick up there uh, again today. We took a break last week, but I'm going to pick up today on the anointing and teaching on the anointing. Uh, we've talked about the fire of God. We've talked about the ministry of laying on of hands. We've talked about what is the anointing, the impartation of the anointing, and all of these things. So we're going to pick up again today and talk about the different kinds of anointing and how God operates, how the anointing operates. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. I'm going to be all over Scripture today and uh, give you some Scriptures to take with you. And I believe that God wants each of us, everyone in this room, if you're a believer, there is an anointing on your life as a believer. And God wants it to increase. I was watching at the last Night of Hope as we were ministering to people through Night of Hope, and, and we've, we've got a great system with Night of Hope. We can get two or 300 people processed in about an hour, hour and a half time, and things just roll. They, things move smooth around here, and it's awesome. And, and as I was watching, I, the one thing that kept occurring to me is that we're doing really good at processing and ministering and the practical needs But I'm looking for those leaders who will take what we've been teaching and the things that we've been experiencing and begin to impart it into people as you minister to those that come in the doors. And so I want to encourage you, 
to take, the, the Night of Hope really is a very, this is my pastoral instruction, Night of Hope is really a great place, a very practical place to take what we're learning and understanding about the anointing and implement it. And just begin to operate in what God's doing. Take a moment before you come and just hear from the Lord. God, give me a word for somebody tonight. Give me, give me a scripture for somebody. Give me a word of encouragement for somebody. And then when someone comes through and they say, hey, you know what, I've been having, I've been having back pain. And, and I, I, don't, I don't know what the cause of it is, whatever the case is. Lay hands on them. Minister to them. And see what God will do. Touch them. Get your hands on them. We, I saw someone, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Bob. But it probably was Bob. And uh, uh, every, every time I saw him ministering to someone, he was on it. He was, if, if you moved, if you breathed and you came through that door, he was telling you about Jesus. He was making sure that you left with a relationship with Christ. And it was awesome. But every person he ministered to, he did what? He laid hands on them. Everybody that he touched, he laid hands on. Why? Because there's an anointing. We've been talking about anointing. It, it, listen, I've said this a million times. It's not about everybody coming in and falling down. That happens. There are manifestations. God touches people. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, if it was about people falling down, we'd just all line up and say one, two, three, fall and go home and we'd be, we'd be over real soon, real quick. But that's not what the anointing is about. The anointing does touch people. People are influenced. There's manifestations and all those things happen and that's okay and that's going to happen. But we want lives transformed. When the anointing touches people's lives, it transforms people's lives. And that's what we want. We want the change. We want people set free. We want addictions broken off people's lives. We want those that are in bondage to be liberated. I want to be liberated. I want to be set free. I need more of the Lord. I need to be in a place, not just those that are coming in, but I need to be in a place of receiving more from God. I haven't received all that there is to God. I need more. I need more of him in my life. I need to put myself in a place to worship and receive from him in worship. I need to put myself in a place in the word where I'm receiving from scripture, receiving from his word. I need to pray in the spirit and stir myself up, build myself up, Jude said, and holy faith, praying in the spirit. All of those things we have to put into practice on a daily basis. If you're not doing that, then you'll be dry. If you're not doing that, you'll find that the anointing begins to wane in your life. If you're not doing that, you'll find that the, the intimacy with the Lord begins to de decrease. And the, remember, the anointing is about relationship. It's not formula. I can't give you a formula to increase the anointing in your life. The formula is that you need a relationship with Jesus. The anointing is that you need to walk in relationship with the Lord and begin to understand his power and his authority. So in Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. If you flip over to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 10. In verse 27, it says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. And the anointing is what breaks the yoke off your life. The anointing, the power of God. What is the anointing? It is the power of God at work. It's the equipment of God to get the job done. It's the power of God to get the job done in your life. The Bible says that 
you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And you'll be my witnesses. And he begins to break down where you'll be my witnesses. One of the things that we talked about, and I'll just recap here, is a lot of times people disconnect their, the power from the purpose. I said a couple of weeks ago, you can take one of the power lines out front and you can chop off one end of it and have this live wire just dangling. And if you go out and grab hold of that, that live wire, Michaela here is going to get electrocuted. It's not going to be good. And, and her mom's not going to be happy when she grabs hold of that live wire. But that's power without purpose. When you have that live wire connected to the telephone poles and it runs on down into your house and you have a lamp that that power is turning on, there's power with purpose. And so a lot of times what happens in church is we throw out the power of God. We throw out teachings about the gifts of the Spirit. We throw out teaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We throw out anything associated with power because we've seen too many people take power away from purpose. And so we say, well, they got weird or they just, you know, well, who, who hasn't gotten weird? You know, let's look through the, let's look through the generations of people that have, have gotten weird with every doctrine that's out there. Salvation. I mean, we can just take our basic doctrine of salvation and people have gotten weird with it. So does that mean that I throw the baby out with the bathwater because all of a sudden people have gotten weird with it? No, I need to go back to Scripture and understand what Scripture says. And so that's why we're talking about the anointing. So the anointing is the power of God, the equipment of God to get the job done. We know that the anointing is tangible. It's, there's substance to the anointing. It's powerful. It's, the, it's God's electricity. It's the power to get the job done. It's tangible. It's transferable. We lay hands on folks, and there's a transfer of the anointing. There's, why do we lay hands on people? It's to get people under the influence of the anointing. You can be under the influence of the anointing in, in a service, and in just being in an atmosphere of the anointing, it begins to affect you. Uh, we've had several people who have made comments, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't know that this was even available or how God's changing their life. And I've not even come, they've not even come down to the front and received prayer. Why? Because the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord begins to affect people. We had someone last week in service healed of carpal tunnel, just sitting in service a couple weeks ago, healed of carpal tunnel syndrome. Why? Because the anointing, the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord will touch people. And then the increase of that happens when you come and you place yourself in a, in a position, have hands laid on you. There's a transfer of anointing that happens. And we see that throughout Scripture. We talked about that. The problem is that we often limit ourselves and the flow of the anointing. And so I want to just cover a couple of things with you today regarding the operation of the anointing. God is not limited in His own power. God is omnipotent, right? He is all-powerful. God is not limited in His power. We are the ones that are limited. We often yield, the, the operation of the anointing is based on this, it's yielding. It's a four-letter word, not really, but it's a four-letter word that most Christians hate to hear, yield. We don't want to be told to yield. We don't want to be told, give way to someone else. We don't want to be told, you've got to be out of control and God's got to be in control. We don't like to hear those things. We want to be fully engaged, fully controlled. We want to be able to figure it out. We want to figure out what God's doing and tell God how he ought to operate. Well, the Bible says in Ezekiel 47, it talks about the river of the Lord, the river of his presence, and there's different levels to the river of God. You and I can decide where we 
are going to yield that? Are we going to st- stand off on the side on the banks and let everybody else get ministered to? Are we going to step into the ankle deep? Are we going to go knee deep? Are we going to go, I don't know about you, but I want to be in over my head. I want to be overflowing with the presence and the power of God in my life. And so most people yield where they're comfortable. When, when we are comfortable, maybe, maybe for you, your comfort is, is going and, and, and praying for someone. Maybe someone says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling discouraged. I'm, I'm not feeling good today. And your comfort is, here, can I pray for you? And you lay hands on them and pray for them. And that's a level of your comfort. And that's as far as you go in the anointing. But God has so much more than just you laying hands on someone and praying for them. Maybe God wants to take you deeper into giving that person a word of knowledge or prophetic word or operating in some power gift in their life. But because we're comfortable with just saying a nice, cute little prayer, that's where we stop and we don't go deeper in the things of God. And, you know, for me, it happens for, us, it happens for all of us. I'm, my comfort zone is, is preaching and prophesying. I can stand up and, and I can prophesy and and say, thus says the Lord, know the word of the Lord and have words of knowledge and operate in those gifts. But it's challenging for me to then operate in in areas of miracles or healings or things like that. That's challenging for me. I'm comfortable with knowing the voice of the Lord. And I I remember the first time God ever gave me a word of knowledge for someone. I was standing in a service and, and the Lord told me to go tell this young man, that didn't go down to the altar call, that he was struggling with pornography and God wanted to set him free. And I looked back at God and I said, you don't say things like that. You know, you, I, can't, I, can't go, I can't go up to this guy I've never met before and say the Lord says you're, you're in pornography and you, he wants to set you free. I mean, that's a little absurd. And, uh, but that's exactly what I did and went up to him and, and tears began to flow down his face and God convicted him and, and he got set free that day from his addiction. Why? Because those are, those are the areas that I'm comfortable with. Your comfort areas might be different. But God wants to bring us deeper in the flow of his power and his anointing. So I want to ask you and challenge you. Ask God to bring you a little deeper. Ask God to bring you out in the river and the flow of his anointing a little bit more. The other thing that we hear a lot in church circles is, well, that, you know, I, I have my anointing. You know, this is, this is my anointing. I'm going to, I've got to uh, prophesy because I'm a prophet or, you know, uh, you know, all sorts of weird things out there. First off, let me just clear this up. It's not your anointing. It's God's anointing. You're a steward of his anointing. So it never becomes something that you take full possession of and it, it becomes all about you and, and how you operate. This is how you might steward the anointing that God's given you. You might have a, uh, you might, uh, yield to God in the gifts of prophecy or words of knowledge, and that's, that's the level of yieldedness where you're at. That's your steward, where you're stewarding the gift at. But there's more than that. There's more available to you if you'll step in, if you'll step into that and you'll begin to trust the Lord. Um, so it's not, it's not your anointing, it's His anointing. It's all the same anointing, just different operations. There's, it's all the same power of God, but it operates differently. The same anointing that heals people is the same anointing that delivers people, is the same anointing that brings joy, is the same anointing that, that breaks the yoke. It's all the same anointing. It just operates differently. And so we're going to take a look at some of those things today. If we take a look at Jesus' public ministry, there were three elements 
of his ministry that uh, operate within the anointing. First off, he was preaching, he was teaching, and there was demonstration. He preached, he taught, and there was demonstration. We're going to take a look at these today. That is his public ministry. Let me, let me say this about ministry. A lot of times we think public ministry and private ministry are the same. Everybody, it's what I call the man with the microphone. Everybody wants the microphone. Everybody wants to be up and they want to be the man in charge. They want to lead, lead the crowd and lead the charge. And oh, I'm called to ministry, so that means i got to have the microphone. I'm, I'm, I'm the man. And that's not, that's not scriptural. There's public ministry and there's private ministry. There's people that today are probably engaged in private ministry that need to have public ministry and people that are engaged in public ministry that definitely need to be in private ministry. It goes both ways. And so we have to understand where God has called us and where he's positioned us. And, and let me say this too. Someone, you might be here today and you say, well, God's called me to ministry and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm the next Billy Graham. Let me first say, no, you're not. <laughs> you're the next whoever God's called you to be. You're not going to be Billy Graham. And then secondly, if you're truly anointed, the anointing of God on your life will make room for the opportunity to minister. And everybody around you will know that you're called before you actually step into public ministry. Everybody around you will see the call of God and the anointing of God in your life for public ministry and confirm it before it actually happens. So the reason I say that, one, is because we deal with this all the time. And people, you know, especially in Bible college, we have, our, you know, we have a great Bible college here and all the different things. And people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm called to ministry and I'm going to do X, Y, Z and great exploits. But they can't get up in the morning and make their bed. You need an anointing to do the dishes. I mean, come on. So, so it's, very, it's very simple. It's very basic. You got to be a steward. God calls us. Yes, God calls us to ministry, but he also calls us to be stewards of what he gives us. And stewarding begins in every aspect of our life. If you can't steward your home, if you can't steward your kids, uh-oh. If you, can't take care, if you can't take care of your home and your children, how are you going to take care of the house of God? That's what Paul said. So if you, if you have an anointing on your life, then begin to steward the character and the things of God that he's given you and where you're at today. And then allow that to increase. Amen. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 7. Matthew 10 verse 7 says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Jesus is sending out his disciples to go and minister, and he's telling them what to preach. As you go preach, there's an anointing for preaching. He says, go out and preach. You're proclaiming the anointing of God on your life for preaching. You're proclaiming the message of Jesus. You're proclaiming the message, and you're giving people an opportunity to respond to the word of God. So when you say that you're anointed to preach to the gospel to the poor, you're following in Jesus' steps. So if you're anointed to preach the gospel, then your job is proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ with signs and wonders confirming. Jesus did three things. He preached, he taught, he demonstrated. Well, you know, I just, my, my style just doesn't give room for demonstration. Then stop, stop your style. <laughs> Stop your style. 
The, the reality of the gospel is that signs and wonders will confirm the word of God. And so if you're preaching the word of God, if you're preaching the truth, then there ought to be demonstration and signs. Sometimes Jesus' demonstration was the message itself. Rise and be healed. Go and sin no more. And, and all of these things, stretch forth your hand. All of these things became, became the message. It was the demonstration and the power of God at work that became the message of God, the power of God, the anointing flowing. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Consider where the anointing comes from. Freely you have received, freely give. Remember, the anointing of God on your life comes from God. You've, Jesus said, you've seen it taught, you've experienced it, you've watched me demonstrate it, now go do it. And I would say to you today, those of you that have been around, you've seen it, you've experienced it, you've watched us teach this, you've watched us live this for a year, now go do it. Go do it. Go lay hands on the sick. Go cast out the devils. Go minister. Well, I, I don't know if, if, if I can do Freely you've received, freely give. The flow of the anointing is not based on your merit. You yield, you step in, the anointing's flowing. The anointing of God, the power of God is flowing. It's your yieldedness to step in. I tell people all the time, you know, we, I used to have this particular thorn in my flesh person who's actually now a good friend. But uh, he, would, he used to sit and he would give me a hard time about the anointing and he would tell me how you know, it's, you're, just making, you're just making people do this. You're pushing people over or you're, you're, you know, you're manipulating emotions. and all, you know, How many of you have heard those things before? Maybe you've said those things before. And uh, I would say, I, there is no way that I could even do that. I'm not that skilled of a leader, first off. I'm, I'm pretty miserable as it, as it is. If I, the minute I hate public speaking, the minute I get up in front of people, I would forget every plan, every, every dynamic thing to manipulate emotions. As soon as I get in front of people, I'd absolutely forget it if I had a plan. And then, you know, all of, it's crazy some of the things that we come up with. But the one thing that I know is how to step into the flow of the anointing. I, don't, I can't make it happen. You can't make the anointing happen, but you can step in to the river. You can step into the flow of what God's doing and allow it to flow through you. Preach the gospel. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. The, they, this is a quote. I thought this was awesome. They preach to establish the faith, the kingdom, to animate the hope of heaven, to inspire the love of heavenly things and the contempt of the earthly, which is at hand, that men may prepare for it without delay. Go and preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Who around you is hurting? Who around you is broken? Who around you has got their eyes fixated on things of this life? Go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Begin to minister the life and the power of God to them. This was the same message that John the Baptist preached. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But the signs and the anointing and the power of God was made available at the delegated authority of Jesus to minister. And that's what he's released in your life. All power, all authority, Jesus has been given to me and I'm giving it to you. I'm sending you out to minister to the hurting and the broken, to be my witnesses. Amen. And Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching 
that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And notice this, the power of the Lord, the dunamis, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. There was a distinct atmosphere that day. As Jesus was teaching, all he was doing was teaching, but there was a distinct atmosphere of the dunamis, of the power of God present heals. The same power that Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, that that power is at work within us. That same power of God is available for you and I. It's that same power that was present, that dunamis power of God, the atmosphere of heaven was available that day. And these Pharisees are sitting around, the Bible says that there's Pharisees and religious leaders, and they're all sitting around listening to Jesus teach. And I would imagine that they weren't there to get healed. They weren't there to be ministered to. But matter of fact, the Bible says that the atmosphere was there. The lame man was brought by his four friends, lowered through the roof. He got a healing. He got his sins forgiven. But the Pharisees are still sitting there unchanged. There's no record of them receiving a touch from the Lord. Let me say this, too, about operating in the anointing. Don't try to make people get something they're unwilling to get. It's just not going to happen. Find the hungry. Find those who are hungry. I, one of the things that we, if you probably have noticed, we don't, I don't often just go around and just pray for everybody. We'll take time to, I, I'll call, I'll look. I look for in a service. When I take time to minister, and I, and I don't do this just here, I do this wherever we minister. I look specifically for hungry people. I don't just go and lay hands on anybody. I'm looking for those that God's marked, those that are hungry. You can see it as you watch people. You can see their hunger. You can see their level of hunger. You can see their level of faith. And you have to begin to discern that, discern how the, the anointing is flowing, discern the atmosphere of what God's doing, and begin to step in to the ministry of heaven. That's what all this is. It's, it's the ministry of Jesus, and it's being lived out, continued through you and I. You all understand what I'm saying? And so it's, it's up to us to carry out the ministry of the anointing. Jesus said, as he begins to teach, the power of the Lord was present to heal them, and behold, a man, the men brought a, a on a bed, a man who was paralyzed, who they sought to bring in and lay before him. And they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd in the housetop. They went up and they let him down on his bed through the tiling in the midst of Jesus. And they're all teaching. And Jesus says to them, he perceived their thoughts, verse 22. He perceived their thoughts and answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts, which is easiest to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise up and walk? And so in the middle of all of Jesus' teaching, he's teaching about faith, he's teaching about ministry, and in comes an opportunity for demonstration. Jesus was not scared off by the religious leaders. He was not worried about the fact that this man had just torn a hole in the ceiling of, of the house they're in. He's not, he's not concerned about all of those things. He's looking for an opportunity for people to be ministered to. He's looking for an opportunity for chains in people's lives to be broken. He's looking for an opportunity to glorify the Father. He's looking for an opportunity to minister and flow in the anointing. And in comes the man. And Jesus perceived their thoughts. He recognized what was happening. He didn't try to over-revelate them. <laughs> he kept it very simple. And a lot of times in church, everybody's got to have the next best revelation. I've got to, you know, I've got to have the next, give me something, preacher, that's, that's revelation. I've got to have the next best thing, you know. And Jesus wasn't doing that. He taught the truth. He kept it simple. He wasn't there trying to over-revelate the Pharisees. 
They didn't need any more revelation. They, had, they were bound up. They weren't going to get it anyway. He could teach all day long and give them the best revelation he could. And they still weren't getting it. They had ears that couldn't hear and eyes that couldn't see. And so keep it simple. When you're operating in the anointing, when you're, when you're ministering to the hurting, when you're ministering to the broken, keep it simple. You don't have to give them some major revelation that you've received that week. <laughs> Let me tell you, brother, about how, you know, this wart on my big toe became the thing that God, you know, you'd be surprised on the things I've heard. All the stupid things that God, you know, well, that's great. You heard from God about your big toe, but get, keep it simple. Yeah. Stick to scripture and see what God's going to do. Ask God to give you something simple, a simple word, a word of encouragement. The very simple scripture for God so loved the world. And that one moment can revolutionize someone's life under the anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Take time to become familiar with the flow and the atmosphere of the anointing. The disciples were able to discern the atmosphere because they had spent time with Jesus. And they understood that in that moment, there was an atmosphere for healing. There was faith for healing. There was an atmosphere for healing. The power of God was present to heal. When you're when you get in a place to discern the anointing, the more time that you spend in the atmosphere of heaven, the more that you begin to discern what God's doing. You can't go out and live like the devil and live in the bars and live blowing your money and doing all the and, and come into church on Sunday once a week and expect to understand the atmosphere of heaven and the, how the anointing operates. This is an everyday journey with Jesus. Every day you've got to take time when you wake up. Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your presence. You begin to recognize the presence of the Lord in your life. Every morning you start your day recognizing the presence of God. You go through the day recognizing the presence and the power of God in your life. And it doesn't have to be that really that super spiritual. You just go through your day. And you begin, you just learn to be sensitive. You're plugging into worship. You're plugging into prayer. You're taking time to listen to the voice of God. And as you do that, you'll begin to recognize in a moment, hey, this is a, this is a God moment. This is an opportunity for God. You know, last night, Heather called me, and this is a great example of this. Heather called me, and they were eating out at a restaurant. And she was with her family, and she said that as they were eating this um, there was a husband and wife sitting there. They were obviously having a rough day. The, the wife was trying to ignore the conversation. And, you know, it was just a really bad situation. At one point, the, they got up and changed tables. And, you know, they were trying to get by themselves, away from people. It was just, a, she said, it was obviously a rough situation. And she said before they left, she said she just felt like the Lord said to her she needed to pay for their bill. You know, that's, a, that's kind of dangerous because you really don't know what they bought, you know. <laughs> you might walk away with a $100 bill. She did that a couple of weeks ago and ended up with a $25 Starbucks bill. So when she's telling me this, I'm thinking, Lord, what is she, what is she telling me because she just spent, you know, all of our money on somebody's lunch. But uh, so she, the manager comes out and says, oh, you know, you don't have to do that. Well, it's fine. And no, I want to pay for their bill. Give me their bill. You know, it was one of those weird back and forth with the manager and whatever. So they finally brought her the bill and she paid the bill. 
And the manager had went and told the family, hey, you know, this person paid your bill. And uh, she said the family came over and, and immediately started trying to find her on Facebook, found her on Facebook, and they realized after all this happened that this family was relatives of someone that went to the church where Heather and I had been ministering. And this was a big ordeal for them because they had family members in the church that had been inviting them to the church and, and uh, just never didn't want to go to the church because they thought it was one of those weird Pentecostal churches that they didn't want to be a part of. You know, all those wonderful things. And uh, here's Heather paying their bill saying, I'm preaching Sunday night, why don't you come see me? <laughs> so you just never know, just in that simple little moment, you just sense the, the anointing, the presence of God at work in those situations, and God does something supernatural. It begins to open the door for something else. The Bible says that the atmosphere was for, the pre was for healing. There was a presence of the Lord for healing. Jesus taught them. He looked for the hungry, and he ministered to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to give you again how the anointing operates. There's atmospheres for the anointing. You can begin to discern the atmosphere of what God's doing, but you have to take time to do that. Most ministers today don't want to take time. They have their, you know, 20-minute service that they got to get people in and out, and we don't have time to discern what God's doing. Let's just give them, make them feel good about themselves and send them home. That's, that's the anointing. <laughs> It's funny, everybody wants a nice anointing. They want everybody to just love you and win friends and influence people. But, but that's, the anointing of Scripture is not win, win friends and influence people. If you have the anointing, it, it stirs people up. The anointing causes, it causes some trouble up there in the hills. It causes some, some issues to start to rise to the surface. It causes issues where, those, where, the, where the sin has laid dormant and people live in bondage and and control, the anointing causes all those things to surface and be dealt with. People don't like that. We just, we'd rather just sweep it under the rug and pretend we don't have it. So when the anointing comes, it begins to ruffle all those things up and it becomes uncomfortable. But that's when God begins to move and do something supernatural. We don't, we don't like to say, I have issues. We don't like to confront the reality that I have issues. But it's not until you say and admit that I have sin in my life, I have an issue in my life, I have a stronghold in my life, that the anointing can begin to break that yoke and destroy that bondage in your life. You have to come clean with the Lord. You have to begin to yield to God and let Him do His work in your life. Preaching. Preach as you go. The kingdom of heaven is hand. That's not a message that everybody wants to hear. Kingdom of heaven at hand means you've got to face the reality of your present state. People don't want to face those things. And then when you step into 1 Corinthians 12, you know, we, we want, like Paul told Timothy, you know, preach the word, be instant in season, be ready to exhort. And we focus in just on the word exhort, but two-thirds of preaching ministry is rebuke and correct. 
We don't want the rebuking and the correcting. We'd rather just have the, the encouraging word. Pastor, can you just be encouraging? Can you just give me a little tap on my rear end and help me feel okay about myself? And I'll just, I'll be all good. I'll go right back out and do, live like the devil and I'll be okay because the pastor's making me feel good about myself. My wife's not here, so I'm unfiltered today. I apologize. <laughs> I find, too, that when I come back from New Orleans, things are just raw there. So you can just say things, and you just get away with it there because it's, it's just raw. <laughs> First Corinthians 12, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. We have a lot of ignorant people in church. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. They don't know that they don't know that they don't know about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, let me say this, the anointing of God and spiritual gifts has not ceased. It has not gone away with the apostles. The presence and the power of God is just as much alive and real for us today as it was in the New Testament church. I find that the reason we don't see it in operation a lot is there's no pressure we have, there's no expectation or pressure for us to operate in the spiritual gifts. There's no, there's no persecution. When, when the fire gets turned up, you have to begin to step into the anointing. But when things are just smooth sailing and we put everything under the rug and we don't want to offend anybody, there's no need for the anointing. There's no need for the spiritual gifts. And so we just let them kind of go out the, the back door or put them in a side room somewhere. Y'all are quiet in here today. He says, we don't want you carried away, verse 2. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what, what this is saying in the Greek, actually, if you go and study it, Paul is saying that I don't want you to be carried away by false phantoms of your mind and your own perceptions. I don't want you to get carried away, lost in these false doctrines, false teachings, phantoms in your own mind. How many of you know sometimes we can create some really weird stuff in our own head? We see things that don't exist. We hear things that don't exist. And that's what Paul's saying. I don't want you to get lost in all that. And I don't want you to get lost. So this, this anointing, the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, all of these things are to operate to help you stay in alignment to keep you from being carried off into false doctrine. These things are to help keep you from getting carried off in your own emotional uh, whims and in your own phantoms of your mind. It's to keep you in a safe place. And so what are these gifts that help keep us in a safe place? He says there are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. That word gifts is the word charisma in the Greek. It's the, it's the uh, gift of grace by faith. That this is a gift of God by grace through faith. We receive this just like we would salvation. It is a free gift from God. It is the demonstration and the working of God in and through our lives. It's a manifestation of God himself. Gifts, the spiritual gifts, are nothing more than God manifesting himself through these various means. And so we don't have to get kooky or weird or out and far out. This is just the, this is the ministry of God. This is God touching people. And this is how he does it. 
There are diversity of gifts. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all, the edifying, the building up of, of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, whether slave or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit." Now, so we're all one body. We're all functioning together as one body. And the anointing of God flowing through us comes on us. The, the Spirit of God comes on us. Psalms 133 talks about the anointing, the oil. This anointing comes on the head and runs down. It's a great picture of this, the, these spiritual gifts in operation in our life. And then begin to manifest. We can classify these gifts in a couple of areas. There's the Power gifts, miracles, healings, faith. There's utterance gifts or speaking gifts, which is tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. And uh, then there's revelation gifts where there's word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and uh, discerning of spirits. And so what does that mean? First off, the word of wisdom. What is a word of wisdom? A word of wisdom is having supernatural uh, insight on how to handle a, a situation it's, it's not natural wisdom, it's godly wisdom. A lot of times you see this in operation with a word of knowledge. You'll, uh, they'll work together. Word of knowledge is having knowledge of something. It's God knowledge of something that happened in the past or is happening currently. And you begin to give that word of knowledge. And a lot of times God will say, for example, um, hey, you know, you're struggling like the guy that I gave the Example earlier, you're struggling with pornography, God wants to set you free, and he may follow up with that with a word of wisdom on you need to do X, Y, Z and cut out the blah, 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 blah in your life, you know, and so be, there will be additional God insider revelation with that situation. So word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and then there's the um, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits, a lot of people always think they get weird. Oh, it's all about the demons, and we got to see demons everywhere. We're ghostbusters and have ectoplasm in our basement and all this weird stuff. That's not, that's not discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits, yes, you may recognize demonic influence, but it may, there might be angelic influence. There might be, it might be the spirit of man. You just might be the man's own spirit and their stubbornness or something that God's doing or working out in their life. So it's discerning of where people are at, understanding what, what is influencing that situation. The word of prophecy. That's, you know, a lot of people, again, think, well, prophecy is futuristic in nature. It can be futuristic in nature, but more times it's not. It's edifying. It's encouraging. It's comforting. That's the word of prophecy. It's taking scripture. It's taking a word from Scripture and applying it to someone's life. If you, if you have a word from the Lord, sometimes God will show you things. He'll, he'll give you direction about someone. He may show you something. You know, he'll, he may give you a vision about someone or some situation. But can I tell you to always take it back to the word? Always ask God for a Scripture when you share a word with someone. Always go to the scripture. You can't go wrong with the word. You can't go wrong with scripture. 
And then there's miracles. Of course, miracles are the supernatural involvement of God affecting the natural course of man. We see this with the feeding of the 5,000. It's a great example of that where two loaves, five fish, all of a sudden, or five loaves, two fish become a a meal that feeds 5,000. That's a miracle. We saw that uh, frequently. Every year we did... uh, Feed the multitudes. We've talked to some of you are familiar with that. And literally, we would see the food that we had enough for 3,000 all of a sudden feed 6,000. And you're just kind of stepping back in amazement saying, Lord, how did we just feed 6,000 people with enough servings for 3,000? That's, that's a miracle at work. Gift of faith. We're all given a measure of faith. This is a supernatural gift of faith. It's being able to perceive and believe God for something greater than where you're currently at. It's being able to see and perceive what God is doing supernaturally. Faith, remember, is our spiritual perception. That's the best way that I think people understand it. It's not your name and claim it. I want a Rolls Royce, so God's going to give me the best car around. That's not faith. Faith is our spiritual perception. It's our five senses. It's the ability to perceive, to hear, to see, to taste, touch the supernatural realities around us. It's to see and engage what God's doing. So the gift of faith, being able to see supernaturally or above uh, and beyond. Tongues, an interpretation of tongues. This is different than our prayer language. When you receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you receive the prayer language of, of tongues. That's the sign. It's an evidence. You know, in the assembly of God world, we call it the initial physical evidence, the IPE, the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You're, they're speaking in tongues. But that's, that is the evidence, the proof. It's tangible proof of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But that is different from the gift of tongues. The gift of tongues in operation is for public edification. It's, it's within a church setting or a small group setting. It's for, it is a word from the Lord that comes forth in tongues and is interpreted and ought to be interpreted. It is, it is a, uh, and the one who gives the message in tongues should ask, the Bible says, to ask for the interpretation. And sometimes it's different. Sometimes, you know, we get all, all caught up on mechanics a lot, you know, especially in the church world, because we've seen so many abuses, we think... We take Paul's instruction, and it's, you know, when a message in tongues come forth, we have to check mark the list before we receive it, you know. We get so caught up in mechanics. Y'all hear what I'm saying? We get so caught up in mechanics sometimes that we miss what God is saying. And sure, there are people who get weird. And yes, we need, we need some direction, and we need, we need some, some wisdom in the gifts of the Spirit. But there are times where God's using a flawed vessel And you have to say, okay, God, what are you saying through this? I get it. You're speaking. God, give me ears to hear. Amen. So we just don't always just throw things out because it doesn't come the way we think it should. If it sticks to the scripture, if it sticks to scripture guidelines, it exalts Jesus, it's comforting, it's encouraging, it's exhorting. Then we take the word of the Lord and we say, God, what are you saying to me? Then there's, so there's tongues, there's interpretation of tongues. And, and those gifts are, like I said, they're different from the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They're for public edification, public use. So these are the gifts. I think I covered them all. These are the gifts that God uses in our lives in a supernatural way to minister to people. When's the last time that you took Mark 16, you took Matthew 10, 7, 8, you took Acts 1.8, you took 1 Corinthians 12, you took these scriptures and you said, Lord, 
how does my life line up to these? To what level of, of anointing and what level of your presence, what level of your gifts am I walking in? Paul said to earnestly desire these gifts. Earnestly desire. It's, it's a good thing to desire the presence of God in your life and allow him to use you in a supernatural way. Lord, how do we walk in an increased anointing? Lord, where in my life do I need to step in to a greater degree of the anointing? In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11, I'll wrap up with this. It says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And that word manifold grace of God, it means multicolored. The multicolored grace of God. It's about Joseph's coat, the multicolored coat. You take the coat of your father. You take the, uh, the anointing of your father. You take on the mantle of your heavenly father. And you begin to minister the multicolored grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Step into the anointing. Yield to the presence, the power of God at work in your life. It's time to go a little deeper. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? There's different types of ministry. There's preaching, there's teaching, and they both include demonstration. And one of the things that we will make room for is demonstration. Learning how to operate, learning how to flow in the anointing. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you just lift your hands where you're at today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Jesus, that your power is able to set the captives free. That your power is not diminished. Lord, your, your anointing, your power has not ceased. It's not gone away with the apostles and no longer exists, Lord. It's very much alive and real for us today. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so awesome.